Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in our series on women in the judiciary is High Court Judge Tando Manke from the Mpumalanga Division of the High Court. As a High Court judge, Judge Manje has worked in various sections of the High Court, Civil Court, Criminal Court, Motion Court, Urgent Court, and Appeal Courts. Welcome to the show, Judge. Thank you so much. I feel very much welcome, and I like the the, the drive behind this uh, platform. I love it already. (laughs) Thank you. To begin with, Judge Manje, today you sit on the bench as a High Court judge of the Mpumalanga Division of the High Court. Please, will you walk us through some of the key landmarks in your career that got you to this point that you're at today? Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Malka. First, let me just um, say I am so much and highly favored for the opportunity that has been presented to me this uh, afternoon, especially because um, we know what is happening in our, in our country. We have buried some colleagues, we have buried some friends and relatives. So really it is a pleasure and one can only be grateful for being alive during the times like this. So really I appreciate the opportunity and I feel very honored. Now, I just want to share with you first that uh, you will be surprised that I got into law actually by default. Um, As I was at university, I registered for Bachelor of Administration because my high school uh, subjects were accounting and economics. But when I got into a university, just to cut a long story short, one or two months into the university in my Bachelor of Administration degree, I got to meet different uh, uh, group of people and most of them were from uh, the law faculty. So I've used to visit your classes when uh, I don't have classes. And then I developed interest into law. I liked the way they interact with the lecturers. I liked the boldness that they had. And then I quickly find out from the professor whether I can still change and and do law. Luckily, it was still within time to change. And then I was allowed, the, the professor was kind enough to say, no, if you want to try, try it. You still have a month or so to try and change. And indeed, I tried. But remember, because my parents were not aware of that, then it had it put so much pressure on me to make sure that I passed. And I indeed passed. So when I found myself into law, when I started to work, one thing that to me is key and, 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 and landmark in my career is the fact that I developed as early as my first year of working that my, my, I'm called for bigger things. And to me, bigger things, it meant bringing justice to the people and those people who are very much remote to the elite world. So that is what drove me from the early years of my career. Let me make an example. When I started working as a prosecutor, immediately um, where I was working, we were two prosecutors and two, uh, obviously two courts. But because there was always a shortage of interpreters, only one court was sitting and it would have to be the the court of a senior prosecutor where I would go and observe because it was my very first year. And when I discovered, uh, Dr. Malka, that um, cases get postponed now and again because of the absence of interpreters, 
to prove to you that that sense of justice in me was eating me, I made sure that I approached the head of office and I said to him, may I please be sworn in as an interpreter? Because in any event, I'm not sitting when court A is sitting because there is no interpreter in my court. Afraid as I was of that man, he allowed me and he made sure that I'm sworn in as an interpreter. And to tell you, Dr. Marga, for the better year of 1997, when I started, I worked as an interpreter in that court. And that made sure that cases don't get postponed now and again because of the absence of the interpreter. And Judge Manche, based on you stepping in and filling that additional role of interpreter, what did that impact have on, on the court's backlog and helping people achieve the justice that they were seeking? I'm telling you, Dr. Malka, we started to see matters getting finalized because there was never a time where a matter would be postponed because of the lack of interpreters. Those elderly women who were coming very early in the morning to wait to be heard in court, they got a space to be heard because matters were, 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 were being heard and they were rolling like never before. And to me, that was the greatest achievement that I've ever achieved as early as then in my career. It seems such a simple intervention, but with massive, massive impact. Thinking about other moments in your career and as you were elevated to the bench, what have been some of the standout cases for you that you've presided over? I have presided over various type of cases, but mostly for me, uh, what impacted in my career is those cases which are to do with the matters of the heart, wherein you preside on cases over the dispute of a children, the, 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 the adoption of children, the children that get neglected, and mostly the children that are in conflict with the law. So for me, those are the cases that impacted my career and that are very close to my heart, because those are the cases that that when you are sitting either as a magistrate or as a prosecutor or, or, or as an advocate or as a judge, those are the cases that makes you to be in direct contact or with the hearts of the people that you are serving at that particular time. I would imagine it must be incredibly emotive. Looking from your position today, do you feel that the South African legal system has developed according to your expectations? To me, yes, I would say yes. Um, our constitution and the courts in particular in our country, they strive to promote and protect social justice with the decisions that they make. And the decisions that they make, it supports the constitution. So to me, yes, our legal system has developed to my expectation and to a certain degree, Dr. Malka, to beyond my expectation. I say so because of the following. It has stood the test of time in so many levels. It is accessible to people to start with. And, and if I can just highlight, even people who are not South African citizens, for an example, they have access to justice in, in this country. And even people who are South Africans, they have and are being served with uh, the, the, the justice. So yes, we have, in my view, have that well-seasoned legal system and the improvement obviously are always good and necessary in every sphere. And it can only be achieved when we make sure that the, the, the system 
that we, we are in, we are intentional about improving it, and we put people first. You see, I worked a lot for the Department of Justice even before I resigned as a magistrate. One of their organized efforts uh, of the justice system in South Africa or the government departments in South Africa is to achieve improving access to people. So to me, if the system is intentional about improving um, the system itself and make sure that they put people first, which in my view is happening, that's why I'm saying, yes, it has uh, uh, improved a lot and beyond my expectation. That's a good success story. I'm very, very happy to, to hear that those improvements have brought fruition and have exceeded your expectations. Sometimes, however, I wonder if the general public know what rights they're entitled to. And Judge Munker, you certainly have uh, an ethos with regards to social justice. And part of your social responsibility, I understand you took it upon yourself to initiate a project with the Department of Education to educate learners in local schools about law, as well as basic human rights standard. Please, can you tell us more about this project and some of its achievements? Thank you, Dr. Malka. When you are talking about this project, we are touching the, the, the deepest corner of my heart. Uh, this project actually uh, started as a result uh, of me um, enrolling with the University of Pretoria doing human rights and constitutional um, practice. And as I was there, I realized that um, even myself as an ordinary law student, I did not understand that much the basic human rights. And I asked myself what more about the children in the township, because remember I was working in the township by then. And it happened that it coincided with the era of the Child Justice Act in the, in, in the country, which aimed at keeping children away from the formal criminal justice system. So to me, it, it, it said, for the children to understand that they need to be away from the formal criminal justice system, first they must be aware of their rights and their basic rights. And to me, it was a way of saying, if I can plant a seed as a lawyer, a seed that will germinate with time, uh, I would know that I have impacted people and have impacted children. And I have contributed in keeping children away from the criminal justice system and allow them to be children at school with the understanding of their rights and who they are and their responsibilities that comes with those rights. So that's what uh, started that project and the achievement of that project, I will tell you, it, it only extended, it even went beyond the, the, the educating them about rights. I, I even became like a social worker, I even became like their friend because then I could see that they appreciated that there is someone out there who decided to throw away her rope uh, as a magistrate, but decided to come and sit with us and listen to us and hear us, hear our problems, hear our plight, and, and maybe guide us from an informed position that now this person understand why we're even doing crime in the first place and what are our rights and our responsibilities. So it extended to different schools in the township that I was in. I was invited in those different schools by different principals to come and sit, and sit with the children. I ended up sitting with children with 
with only children in conflict with the law in those schools. And uh, I can say it achieved a lot. And I have a number of them who are still in communication with me, thanking me they've achieved a lot. Some universities, some are even working. Uh, yeah, and they, they, they remain very grateful for what happened at, uh, at that time uh, around 2008. That's very heartwarming and the fact that you've had such an impact on young people's lives and that they've gone on to be successes themselves. Hi, I'm Zonke Digana, a South African Afro-soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to High Court Judge Tando Manghe from the Mpomalanga Division of the High Court. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Judge Manghe, statistics from around about 2017 indicates that only 37% of South African judges are women. In our program, we've learned about the South African chapter of the International Association of Women Judges as an instrument for capability and capacity building to help develop female judges. But looking at the fact that women only represent 37% of judges, so in other words, men account for 63%, it doesn't seem to be enough. Given your experience and, and interaction with people what else do you think needs to be done to help increase the representation of female judges in South Africa? Thank you, Dr. Malka. It, it, let me start by saying it is really a, a bit sad that in 2021, we're still having such conversations. Um, but, but at the same time, sad as it is, I, I'm, I'm happy that we still converse in, in this manner because the more we converse about this kind of, of topics is the more we will see change in my view. And uh, I am certain that this, what I'm about to say is going to answer all your questions which have to do with women and in, inequality and prejudices that are experienced by women, especially in the legal fraternity. Dr. Mark, there is proof that if a country or an organization empower women, there is better growth in terms of productivity. And I'll leave the issue of statistics to the statistician. Uh, I cannot take that point any further. But to think of it, women are created beings who produce. We all know that. And by the very nature of them being natures who produce, they give life into things. Now, having said what I have, uh, have said, I want to say one of the things in my view, which makes the, the, the progress slow is actually the fact that um, women are, are, are still, in my view, regarded as less able than men, and which is very uh, unfortunate. We know that women in the first place, they are left with children to raise, feed and take care of children. So for me, that on its own should make any other person out there to appreciate that these species called women are able and they are doing a sterling job when it comes to what I've just identified. Now, how do you doubt such a being is beyond me. What should be done in my view to answer your question is one, everybody should be intentional and radical 
about this cause of empowering women. Two, they should follow it up and monitor whether it's the cause is still being pursued. Because in my view, there is no point in being intentional and radical about it. And once you you, you start, uh, start it, and at the, at the end of the day, we are not following up. You don't even know whether it, it is still pursuing the cause that you want, to, want, the, want it to pursue. No point is having this thing on paper. It must be followed up, be monitored, so that you can see the improvement in the in, 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 in the legal field, as in particular that women are, are, are empowered. Women should be educated enough. The, like the project that I was doing in schools, I was educating them about law as young as they are to say you can come and be a lawyer. But if we don't educate them, they won't even know. And if they don't know, they won't even know that there are opportunities out there for them in law. If they now have those opportunities, they need to be supported. People who are and administering the system, they should, in my view, make sure that they monitor to see to it that women are empowered on a daily basis. But I am still of the view that the responsibility is not only on men, as in males, it is on women. Women, if they have been given an opportunity, like for example, like I, I was given an opportunity to act as a judge, I should make sure that I open a space for other women as well, so that even those who are doubting our ability can see that we are able. Because remember, Dr. Malka, you are not gonna be, uh, uh, be in a position to show that you are able if you've got no opportunity, if you've got no exposure. So if you have been exposed and you have an opportunity as a woman, make sure that you bring other women with you so that we hold this forth as we march forward to the success of women being empowered. We make sure that we march with other women because if we are united as women, we are going to win this battle. Thinking about some of the elements that you've just spoken about, recently we we had a very interesting conversation with uh, Dr. Sushad from the National Institute of Communicable Disease. And one of the things that she said, and it relates to your point about if you're given the opportunity, go and take it. She said that sometimes she feels that women almost limit themselves, that they, in a way, self-sabotage because they put in place these barriers which are often just mental barriers as opposed to actual barriers like they will say oh I I can't do this because I might have another child or I can't take this opportunity because I haven't got this qualification rather than embracing those opportunities and then building the capacity you need to go ahead and materialize those options. That's very, very, very true. Um, we, we, hence I was saying, sometimes we limit our own scope as women. And it's unfortunate. It's not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to really want run with the opportunities as if there is no tomorrow. Two, be grateful of those opportunities. Approach them with gratitude, humility, with all that we have so that we are seen as people who are indeed able, because in any event, the society is still doubting us. But if we show that we are able, when we run with these opportunities, grab them with with both hands, run with them with the greatest degree of humility, with the greatest degree of integrity, then by the time we leave this earth, Dr. Malka, we will know that we have multiplied as women. 
and it allows ambitions to be fulfilled and, and not denied. I think there's nothing worse than having an ambition that you think, oh, it might have been, it could have been, but you didn't take that brave step of moving forwards to make it happen. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, but, but, but you know, Samalka, there are so lots of prejudices and, and experiences that um, most women, they, they come across with. And when you sit down with some of them, um, you, you, you realize what makes them into, into in that shell, so that when even the opportunity is presented, they can grab it. So it's, it's deeper than what the society or in men in particular, they, they see in women. It's deeper than that. It's a whole lot of things. And if we are allowed platforms like the one that you are affording me this, uh, this afternoon, we, we, we talk about such things and then they learn to understand that not all women um, have the, the ability to run with the, the opportunities, but if these prejudices um, are dealt with, surely they can be in a position to run with the opportunities and the exposure that is afforded to them. You're completely right. And it would be really a, a remiss of me to, to say that, that having a couple of, of prejudices were the only things that stood in, in women's way. But thinking about the law and thinking about some of the gender equality instruments that have been developed, such as the Commission on the Status of Women, the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, the Convention on Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, in particular goal number five, which speaks to gender equality and women's empowerment. These all confirm that women's participation and representation in decision-making bodies is a human right. But as we've discussed, despite this, women are still underrepresented in professional careers. How do you think we can use policy more effectively or cleverly to help drive change, or on the other hand, change policies to better support women? Um, as, as, as I said earlier on, Doctor, there is no point in having it on paper and not uh, make sure that it is followed up or um, intentional decisions are, are taken to make sure that the policies, they really speak to uh, the empowerment of, of women. That is why to me, it's very key that um, people who understand the plight of women must be strategically placed in the position where they are going to make sure that the policies that are created for such purpose and all the, 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 the declarations and all the, anything that is on paper, which is speak to the empowerment of women, it is put into practice. But um, I, I just want to pass uh, on this point. I know that there are policies, there are organizations like this, some of them you have mentioned yourself, but do you, do you know that uh, in such organizations, you also sometimes find us women creating a bottleneck for whatever efforts that the, the structures are created for. We are ourselves become our own enemies without, within the very same structures. So to me, even if 
we are to be assisted about the policies. We must make sure that these policies, they are alive to the blight of, of women and they are radical. The, the issues that are addressed by those policies, we sit that down on our table and we make sure that they are put into practice. The policies must be alive to issues like sharing of power uh, to, to women equally and with our, our counterparts. Sharing of responsibilities must be allocated to women in terms of those policies and structures. When women must be exposed to, 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 to the policies, as I say, as I said earlier on, and this must be an intention of the policies. We must see to it that it is there. Otherwise, we will only having policies that are not capable to assist our, our cause. You raised some really important points there, one of education, one of not allowing things to remain as purely paper rhetoric. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to High Court Judge Tando Manghe from the Mpomalanga Division of the High Court. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Judge Manghe, August is a special month in South Africa for women, and it's regarded as Women's Month. And in this space, it also pays tribute to the more than 20,000 women who marched to the Union buildings on the 9th of August in 1956 in protest against the extension of past laws to women. This year's theme is realizing women's rights for an equal future. In the short term, what types of mechanisms do you think could be used to reduce inequalities that women still experience today? Thank you, Dr. Malka. One of them is, I've already, I, I, I spoke to it, um, that women should um, be given opportunities. But let me start by saying South Africa, for an example, it is still difficult by way of an example to have a female president for an example in 20 years of democracy. I mean, 20 years, if we are still struggling to move towards that direction of acknowledging that even we can even have a woman president, imagine by, uh, what, what is happening in the, other, in the other structures. Men in a legal world, they have in my view, a responsibility to come up with ways of supporting women to gain power and have control of their own lives in the way that will make sure that they, they overflow to other women who are not even aware that there is such an, a platform that has been open. Not only men, as I said earlier on, even women, people who are, leader, who are in leadership positions in this country, starting with the courts itself, the decisions that they, 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 they make, the rulings that they make, it must speak to that to say it is discouraged at all costs to make sure that women are being deprived opportunities to be in decision-making structures, decision-making positions, 
judgments and rulings should also speak to such things. So education is one of them, making sure that even the language we speak in the, in the politics, language you speak in courts, language you speak in this normal civil organization structures, it should speak to, to, to that, Dr. Malka, in my view. And in my view, that's what will uh, reduce inequality. And repeating it all the time as we have conversations, it will make sure that the inequalities will die down one day. I have got no doubt. Saying things over and over again and using appropriate language is really what helps to penetrate people's thinking. And I can't help but think about the Nordic countries, in, in particular Norway, which has had several female presidents. And when you use our reference point of the fact that we've had over 26 years of democracy now, and we still haven't got a view of, of a female president in our country. And I'll never forget uh, in conversation with one of the Norwegian ambassadors, she was relaying a story where a little boy said to his mother, mommy, can boys be presidents? And it was just of this view that he had been in a world where there had been female presidents of countries. So in his mind, presidents were women. Wow. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine? And that speaks to this fact of having visibility, of having presence, of the impact that visual identities have on people. It's so true, especially on children. It's very true. And, and remember, children is our investment. If we invest right and plant, plant right to the children, I'm telling you, the process of, of, of those of those seeds developing and they, it, it, they develop with that in their mind that everyone is equal. Women are equal to men, men are equal to women. I am so sure that in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the line, our generations to come, they will see a different world from what we are seeing. But if we are doing nothing about it, they are bound to be fighting the very same fights that we're still fighting now in 2021. And you underline a very important point there. Who is the biggest influence in a child's life? It's his or her mother. Very true. Judge Manka, we're coming towards the end of the show now. And one question that I'd like to ask you is about your personal journey and factors of success. Please, can you tell us, in your opinion, what have been some of the key drivers to your success? <laughs> Dr. Malga, you will laugh that it's going to be the most basic of them all. To me, it has this the drive is more about love and love for people. I decided very early in my life that I'll follow my name. My name, by the way, is Tando Luhle. So the direct translation for that is beautiful love. So I chose very early in my life to follow my, my, my name. So to me, it's more about loving people. If you really love people, you are going to have got no malice. And whatever intention that you are having is going to serve those people. To me, it's, about, it's more about being a servant of the people I serve wherever I am, Dr. Malka. Not only at work, even in my family setup. I serve. At church, I serve. With my friends, I serve. And there is power in loving people and making sure that you are loved when you love. Because when you serve, you serve with 
without any reservations. So that is why I was saying to you, to me, the drive is very, very basic. I won't lie and say I, I, I have been um, focused all the time in, in, in making sure that um, I, 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 I love uh, loudly. Sometimes I'll be distracted there and there, but it has always been my key drive to say, I love people, I serve people. And the very same principle that I use in my personal life, I have taken it into my workplace. I serve. I serve people of Mpumalanga, where I am. I serve people of South Africa, where I am. I just serve. I just love. Because in any event, I am Tandolutle, which is beautiful love. So that's the basic part of what I can answer your, your question with. <laughs> that is so beautiful and such an authentic driver. And I think you're the only person that can really own that, given your namesake. I'm telling you, I am telling you. <laughs> Please, can you tell us about some of the important moments in your life growing up? Well, there are a lot um, of them. But the most important one is, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit sad now, overcoming being bullied by other people whom I've always thought they are uh, better people than me. And I've allowed those people to bully me, to walk all over me. And I remember taking a decision in my life that I, I know who I am. But by the way, I, I, I believe in when you take such decisions, you, you have a higher power, depending on what is your higher power. Personally, I am a Christian. And I, I knew when I took the decision, I said, I know who I am. And, and who I am is not going to allow me to be, to, be, to, to, to be bullied. And from that moment, I took a decision that I will never allow any person to bully me. As much as I'm not going to be a fighter about it, as much as I'm not going to be aggressive about it, but I'm going to stand firm on this point and this point alone. And also, Dr. Malga, to be deaf on anything that is negative coming towards my um, path as I walk this path called life. There are lots of criticism, negative criticism, anything that can weigh you down. I decided to be deaf when it comes to those things. And to me, that's what is, has helped me to be where I am even today. Those conscious decisions really put you in a place of, of power and one which protects you. Very, very true. And, and if you, you do um, take notes or you allow them to disturb you, they will derail you, uh, they will disturb you, and they will work on your esteem, and you will stay very, very far from reaching your goals, and it, you will delay even getting to your goals, in my view. Judge Manke, can you please tell us about uh, some of the women who've been important role models or influences in your life? You know, I do not put a name into faces right now because I cannot remember their names. But it is those women who wake up as early as 3 a.m., need those fed cooks, take them to the bus rink, take them to the uh, train station, sell to people 
early hours, cold winter nights, to be in a position to feed their children, to be in a position to take their children to school. Some of them, it's illiterate women who today have judges as children. Those to me are women that I look up to. I cannot put name right now into their faces, but I know them as I speak to you. I even remember those go-go's that I can, I am referring you to. Those are the people that have inspired me. I do have a lot in the legal fraternity. In fact, to tell the truth, all female judges in South Africa, to me, they are those women in my life because I know how difficult and how hard it has been for them to be where they are today. And what would you like your legacy to be? My legacy, one, it will be to make sure that when I'm no longer here, I have multiplied. I have people who are speaking the same language as me, the same language of making sure that justice is taken to the ordinary people, to the poorest of the poor. I will make sure, I will know that I would have multiplied. Those people, who make sure that one, they give each other opportunities to excel. Two, they support and value others' uh, other strengths. Three, um, they grasp the opportunities that are afforded to, the, to, 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 give, to um, given to them. They run with those opportunities with gratitude and with humility. To me, that would be the legacy that I would have left. And by then, I would have multiplied. That's such a wonderful gesture and vision, which has a amplification effect. Finally, as we close off today's conversation and in recognition of Women's Month, please, can you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to girls and women who are listening to us on the continent? I want to say to them, let us plant right so that even our generations to come can benefit from the seeds that we are planting now. I want to say, let's do that with love, with humility, with integrity. But in particular to women in law, I want to say to them, let us support one another. Let us be considerate to one another. Let us be sensitive to one another's issues. Let us make sure that as we march towards this success that we shall see one day, that we do everything with hard work, integrity, humility. And they must always remember that when we are a woman in law, it's not about glitz and glam. It's not about making money. It's about working hard in serving the people of your country. That's all that I can uh, say to them. Thank you for that beautiful, inspiring, practical message. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. It is my greatest pleasure, Dr. Mark. I really appreciate it. And it was lovely speaking to you. Thank you for the energy that you've brought to the show, the love and the dynamic of, of servant leadership. It, it really has been inspirational. I really, really appreciate it. And the pleasure is all mine, Dr. Malka. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to High Court Judge Tando Mangkhe from the Mpumalanga Division of the High Court.